sermon series on wisdom, uh, exploring the book of Proverbs. We've got today and next Sunday, and then we're, uh, we're all done with this, this series. Uh, and, and so we've been exploring these themes. We started out talking about what is wisdom in general, that there's this deep-rooted wisdom that's built into the fabric of existence. Uh, the next week we talked about uh, what does it mean to fear the Lord? If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what does that really look like? For us to properly fear the Lord. We've talked about the morality of wisdom. That, that some, some element of wisdom, some dimension of wisdom just involves doing the right thing. Uh, and if we want to be wise, we'll just do the right thing. We'll choose to, to do right over wrong. To, to do good over evil. And then last week I talked about the power of our words. That there's a wisdom in how we steward our words. And, uh, and we have to get that right or else any other thing that we've tried to do to be wise uh, is just a stumbling block. It's, uh, it's foolish. It's folly. Uh, our words are so, so important. So some of the ideas that we've explored so far have some kind of quick applications to them. They allow us to kind of step into wisdom almost immediately. I can, I can choose in certain circumstances to use my words well, and I've done wisely. There's kind of an immediate application. It's not easy, and yet... Yet it can be kind of quick. It can be kind of instantaneous. Uh, but this morning I want to change gears just a little bit. Uh, and I, I, want to, uh, I want to explore a way of thinking about wisdom that is anything but quick, easy, immediate, and instantaneous. I want to talk about a, a way of thinking about wisdom that's way, way deeper than that. So I want to start with a little thought experiment for you. Uh, no one needs to share anything. But uh, I want you to think about the wisest person you know. Just think about the wisest person that you know. Kind of got a person in your head? Now, are they, uh, are they young or are they old? Elderly. A little more along in the years. For how, for how many of you are they Young. How about, are they a little older? They're a little more seasoned. Yeah, there's, there's a few more hands in, in the latter category. And I'm not surprised that there's, there's some young hands that went up because that's the nature of wisdom. It, you don't, anyone can get it. This isn't for the educated. This isn't for uh, the, the talented. This is something that you can dive into regardless of where you are. And yet there's something about wisdom uh, where I think that the, the aged, those who are a little more seasoned in their life, have maybe a, a, a deeper base to work for to, to work for. Maybe it's maybe it's because I'm 34 years old and a lot of people on this planet are older than I am. But when I think about the wisest people that I know, they are almost all uh, significantly older than I am. Those are the people that that come to mind. They're, They've lived some life. They've seen the world. They've had lots of life experience and faced all sorts of situations in their extended time on earth. And as a result, they have built up some profound wisdom wisdom that you just can't get quickly and easily. There's something, there's something about being around and seeing some things and being in some places, and reading some books, and knowing some people, and having uh, this, this long lineage 
that helps people to step a little more easily in wisdom. So this morning I want to talk about what I would call the longevity of wisdom. Uh, I want to talk about slow wisdom that, that takes years and years and years of intentionality and experience to earn, that only comes through living well, through loving deeply, through experiencing pain and heartache and seeing joy and redemption come out of sorrow. I want to talk about a wisdom that only comes through years of listening and learning, study and prayer, consistently dedicated to mastering the art of living well. I want to talk about something that's a little more, uh, a little longer in scope. So I would call it the longevity of wisdom. Again, some, sometimes we can do some simple things that, that instantly make us wiser. We've talked about turning from sin, using our words well, fearing the Lord, but even these examples have a longevity to them. There's a length to them. It takes a while to hone those skills, but there is a dimension to wisdom that is much longer in scope. It takes some time. And Proverbs is clear, in addition to tons of other stories throughout Scripture, that there's a dimension to wisdom that involves a slow, steady, methodical, dedicated grind. There's there's a dimension to wisdom that is a grind that takes time, that takes effort, that takes intentionality. There's nothing quick or easy about this sort of wisdom. Again, Proverbs is full of words that echo this truth about the longevity of wisdom, but we definitely see this theme ring true in chapter 3, starting in verses 1 through 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. There's a longevity to wisdom. Or later on in the chapter, verse 16, long life is in her right hand. We're talking about wisdom here. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life. To those who take hold of her, those who hold fast will be blessed. Uh, There's a length here to wisdom. Our world is so often captivated and obsessed with what's new and hip and cool. We're obsessed with the new next thing, with the newest buzz or the greatest hype. Our news media is far too often more interested in getting the story first rather than getting the story right. We as a culture are obsessed with, with hype and newness and buzz. Uh, we are a hype-obsessed culture, but wisdom is about what's been true the whole time. Wisdom is about learning to spot what's true and has always been true. There's a longevity to wisdom. There's a depth to wisdom that goes way beyond the latest magazine article offering five quick tips to a great life. 
This is, this is way deeper than that. Wisdom is a slow, long, time-consuming process that doesn't happen quickly and easily, but often takes years of dedicated searching and longing for a depth and profoundness to life. We are not talking about a microwave life. We are talking about a slow cooker kind of life. This takes, this takes time. A longevity of wisdom involves and requires a steady commitment to the, discipli- the discipleship process. A, a dedication to the, the long haul of learning to follow Jesus. We're in this for the long haul. It, it's what Eugene Peterson calls the, the long obedience in the same direction. This is, this is going to take time. And we're learning to be obedient over the long haul, moving constantly and consistently in the same direction. Long, steady, resilient commitment over the long haul. I find myself thinking about two characters at the beginning of the book of Luke. Uh, We read about Simeon and Anna. Uh, These two characters, Simeon, he has been steadfast in faith for years. He's up there uh, in, in years, he's ready to die, and yet he's had this vision that he will see the Messiah before he dies. And so when Jesus is brought into the temple to be dedicated, Simeon sees him, uh, and he, he immediately declares, I, I, I can go now, because I've, I've seen the Messiah. But there has, been, there has been a faithfulness, a steadfastness to his life over years and years and years. And, and then right after that in the story is, is a, a little snippet about this woman, Anna, who is this incredible, incredible woman. And we read about her in Luke two thirty six through 38. There was also a prophet named Anna, uh, the daughter of Penuel the, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage uh, and then was a widow until she was 84. Uh, so this is probably a long, long time, right? She would have got married really young, and she's been a widow uh, for, for 70 years probably, or 60 years at least. Uh, and she ne- then it goes on, she never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. 60 years, and never leaving the temple, worshipping night and and day fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. How awesome is that? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about a longevity of wisdom. These people had gained a wisdom over the long haul that could never be quickly emulated or duplicated. This is a whole different kind of wisdom. Uh, there's, a, there's the concept, the category that we're kind of flirting with here. And I, I've mentioned the word already. Uh, uh, we're, we're certainly talking about, but I haven't really named yet. The, the concept that we're talking about here is faithfulness. We're talking about faithfulness. Longevity of wisdom is ultimately about faithfulness. And that's why we've been singing songs all morning so far about, about faithfulness about God's faithfulness, about our faithfulness. When we're talking about a slow cooker kind of life, about a long and consistent commitment to listening and learning and growing and maturing, about slowly and steadily tapping into the depth and profoundness of the universe, we are ultimately talking about faithfulness. Faithfulness is central to wisdom. 
The character I think of that I think most perfectly exemplifies both faithfulness and unfaithfulness is Abraham. You think about the story of Abraham. Sometimes Abraham beautifully trusts God and God's leading and guiding over time. He's willing to leave everything, his family, his friends, his land, his fortune, his heritage, and he faithfully goes to, with God not even knowing where God is leading him. And then later on in Abraham's story, uh, he trusts God's wisdom in being willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. Uh, And then sometimes Abraham is such a screw-up, right? Sometimes he is terribly unfaithful, trying to demonstrate his own wisdom instead of faithfully trusting the wisdom of God. When things aren't happening fast enough, and impatience and doubt and distrust seep in, Abraham takes childbearing matters into his own hands instead of trusting the wisdom of God, that God will be faithful over the long haul. Uh, God has certainly proven God's self to be faithful throughout Scripture and history, and yet this faithfulness is rarely quick and easy. God is not an overnight worker. This is not a quick fix God that we worship. Uh, God's redemption plan is slow and steady. It takes years and years. We see this in the history of the Hebrew people, right? They spend 40 years in the desert just trying to get to the promised land, screwing up over and over again, and God has to help them learn how to be faithful. We see this in the book of Daniel, where Daniel foretells the kingdom-crushing stone that will come someday when the kingdom of God comes into this world and crushes all other kingdoms and shows itself to be the one and only kingdom. But that is going to take hundreds and hundreds of years before that comes to fruition. God is faithful over time. We only recognize God's faithfulness over time, but he doesn't seem to be in a hurry. This is a slow cooker kind of faithfulness. So if God is a wise God, and if wisdom is usually a slow and steady process of faithfulness, and if God is a faithful God, then I want to offer a few thoughts about what this means for us. So a few things here. First of all, I would say, is that we are called to the the wisdom of faithfulness as people, as individuals, all of us uh, sitting or standing in this room this morning. As people of faith, as those who claim to want to follow the way of Jesus, I'm inviting us into a long obedience in the same direction, into the lifelong process of faithfulness to a slow, steady, consistent commitment to seeking the wisdom of God over the long haul. I'm inviting all of us to do some soul searching, especially when times in our life get hard, uh, and be committed to this long process uh, of wisdom. Uh, Again from Eugene Peterson, uh, in, in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, he offers up Uh, Two words that the Bible uses to talk about people of faith. 
And I think that these are two words that are really helpful uh, in thinking about this long, steady, wisdom-seeking process. And the two words that he talks about, that the Bible talks about often, are the words disciple and pilgrim. All the time, throughout Scripture, the words disciple and pilgrim are used. And so this is what Peterson says about disciple. disciple. Disciple says that we are people who spend our lives apprenticed to our master, Jesus Christ. We are in a growing, learning relationship always. A disciple is a learner, but not in the academic setting of a schoolroom, rather at the work site of a craftsman. We do not acquire information about God, but skills in faith. As disciples of Jesus, we must be committed to the long, steady, lifelong journey of being like our master, of being a disciple, of being like Jesus. We are on a journey of asking and exploring, what did he do and how can I do that too? Or what did he teach and how can I live that out in my own life. So Jesus calls us to love our God. What, is, what does that look like for me to love God over the long haul, no matter what? I'm trying to be a disciple. He's, so he, he, trying to be like Jesus. He says to love our neighbor. What, is, what does that look like? How do I figure that out? What, what do I do with that? We're, we're called to love ourselves in a world of self-deprecation where we struggle with identity issues all the time. What does it mean for me to love myself Well, to give to the needy, to not worry, to love our enemies, to not judge others. All these things that Jesus says and does and and puts as a priority for us. uh, how, How can we live that out? It's all a part of the longevity of wisdom. We are seeking to be disciples over the long haul. And then the second word is the word pilgrim. Uh, Eugene Peterson says, Pilgrim tells us we are people who spend our lives going someplace, going to God, and whose path for getting there is the way, Jesus Christ. As pilgrims of faith, we are on a journey, constantly going somewhere, making progress, moving out, growing, stretching, expanding. Jesus was on a pilgrimage of faith from the very beginning of his ministry, and he was never distracted from his journey, from his mission. Uh, no matter what the cost, no matter, no matter what kind of distractions were in his way, no matter what kind of temptations, heck, even sometimes no matter how many people wanted to get healed or needed his help in certain ways, there were times where he had to say, I'm heading to Jerusalem. And I've always been heading to Jerusalem, and I can't let anything get in my way. He was a pilgrim. He was on a journey, and he never let anything get in the way of that. A longevity of wisdom means we are never content where we are. We refuse to stay stuck in the status quo. We are constantly longing and striving for our lives uh, to be deeper and more profound in the way of wisdom. We are constantly longing and striving for our lives to emulate the life of Jesus, to journey with him over the long haul, the slow and steady, consistent and persistent pilgrimage of faith. We're called uh, to, to this wisdom of faithfulness 
as people. It's a journey of faithfulness, and it's the journey we are called to as followers of Jesus. And then secondly, I would say that we are called to the wisdom of faithfulness as a church. We're called called to the wisdom of faithfulness as people, as individuals, as families, but we are most certainly called to the wisdom of faithfulness as a church body, as a church family. We're not called to be cool or flashy or big or great. We're not called to copy some other church that's doing it right across town. We're not we're not always we're not we're not to always wish that we were different or better or bigger uh, or or whatever. Uh, as a church, we are called to trust God over the long haul. We are called to allow God to move us and change us, to grow and to mature. We are called to follow Jesus faithfully as he leads us and teaches us and helps us to be more like him. Churches have always been called to the longevity of wisdom, to the wisdom of faithfulness, to the, to the long, steady, consistent commitment to faithfulness. We've always been called to that. Sometimes we miss the mark on this calling. We try to do our own thing instead of God's. We make decisions that don't honor God. We act in ways that aren't in alignment with the way of Jesus. But at their best, churches have massively significant impacts on people, communities, and the world. When, when we are doing our best, uh, we are being churches that, that are attuned to the wisdom of faithfulness. Uh, and, and all of us are testimony to this. All of us here this morning uh, are here because some church or some Christian was faithfully following the wisdom of Jesus and helped us to do the same. Because of their commitment to the wisdom of faithfulness, we are here trying to carry on that same wisdom years later. Uh, And then some of you are here this morning because a small group of people just a couple years ago were committed to faithfulness and weren't ready to shut the doors of this church. We weren't a cool church. We still aren't. We were a very tiny church, and we still aren't huge. We were in a bit of a pickle, and the future existence of our church was in jeopardy. But we were, and I think still are, committed to being faithful to the mission that God had and has for us. As we talked about how to move forward and how to grow as a church, we talked often about, more than anything, more than, more than being cool or, or having good music or, or, uh, or employing the newest church growth techniques, we talked mostly about needing to be faithful. And I'm so grateful that we did. And, and the calling today, even though we've grown a little bit over the last couple of years, is still to be faithful. It is still our calling as a church. There is no quick fix to spiritual growth. There is no quick fix to church growth. The wisdom of God involves a slow and steady faithfulness over the long haul. We are on a journey together. We are learning to follow Jesus as a church. uh, And this is a long slow, faithful process, learning to worship God the way he deserves, 
takes time and dedication and commitment. Coming together in intentional community where we actually know each other and are known is a long, slow, faithful grind of being together in deep relationships of honesty and vulnerability and learning to love our neighbors and actually bless our neighborhoods with the good news of Jesus is a long, slow, faithful process of listening, learning, leaning in, and loving together. So, I'm inviting us all into this long journey of seeking wisdom, to being disciples on the pilgrimage of faithfulness, to our older members, Uh, our more seasoned members in the congregation this morning, thank you for your legacy, for blazing a beautiful trail of faith for us all. Thank you for staying the course over the long haul, for your dedication to discipleship, for the longevity of your faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. You have an immensity of wisdom that can only be gained over time. Please share that with us. Please mentor us. Please teach us how to follow Jesus. And to our younger members of the congregation, may you, may we willingly listen to and learn from those who have a lifetime of faithfulness that has shaped them into beautiful followers of Jesus. May you, may we recognize that the journey of faith is long and steady. It's a marathon and not a sprint. And may we be committed to this pilgrimage. And then to all of us. May we never be content with where we are on the journey. Whether we have years and years, decades ahead of us, or or whether the time for our journey is nearing an end, may none of us ever be content with where we are on the journey. May we always be pushing forward in faithfulness, always learning and growing in in discipline and dedication to Jesus, always committed to the long, slow, steady grind of faithfulness the longevity of wisdom. Let's pray. God, uh, you have been faithful before us, ahead of us. You have been faithful in our lives and in our church, and we are very grateful for that. Uh, We thank you for others who have been faithful on our behalf throughout our life, especially throughout our journey of faith. For those Uh, who have tapped into a wisdom that can only be gained through years of dedication to following you. We thank you for those who have gone before us and laid that trail, blazed that trail for us. And now, Lord, I pray that we would walk faithfully on that trail, that we would be disciples on the journey of faithfulness. Help us to do so. Give us the courage to, to not waver, that even in seasons of doubt and difficulty of sorrow, Uh, of being estranged from you, I pray that over the long haul we would come back to you, that we would turn back to you, uh, committed to the longevity of wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.